Warning, Star Trek from the holodeck contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Walk it alone! Fire! Holodeck 3 program is reinstated. Open sesame! Commander Klingon vessel. We are energizing transport of him. Now. Hello, welcome everyone. It's that time again, if you can't tell by that excellent theme song. <laughs> this is the Lower Decks edition, and David and I are back to discuss the latest season of the animated Star Trek series that's turning heads and causing ladies to drop their panties and men to get erect. <laughs> that's a strong opening. That is a very strong opening. <laughs> Listen, this show is dirty. Let's not pretend it's not. I mean, there was a, a young lady wearing Daisy Dukes in a vineyard in this yes. episode. I mean, come and, on. And they were, as shockingly as it sounds, throwing themselves at Boimler. <laughs> Boimler's an idiot. <laughs> His raisins must have shrank. Oh, I don't know. Wow. So if you're new to our shows, you can find the podcast version of this broadcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Our preferred feeds are iTunes and Spotify due to their rating and review system. So please find us on those platforms and give us a review and rate the show. It does help trigger algorithms that help others find our show. Also, if you are a YouTube type of person, you can catch our live video feeds on our network YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com slash Rayman Digital. Be sure to click the subscriber button and give us a thumbs up. So as I had alluded to, we are gathered here today to discuss the new season of Star Trek Lower Decks. This show has proven to be one of the better iterations of Trek during this new era. Yes, it has. Mike McMahon and his team have proven they have what it takes to craft what I would, what I would call a uniquely different type of Star Trek series that is equal parts comedy and legit Trek. It doesn't take itself super seriously, and yet there's a level of respect for everything that came before in the way of Star Trek. It's self-referential, which is a big part of its success, in my opinion. It's, it breaks the fourth wall without destroying the series, and more importantly, the Trek universe. Uh, this episode in particular. Yes, it did. But ultimately, what keeps me watching the series, David, is that at its core... When you peel away all the comedy and parody, what you have left is the anatomy of a legit Star Trek series. Yes. And that's why this show or this series is such a success in my eyes, because it manages to be something very different and yet still stay true to the roots of Star Trek, right? Oh, absolutely. Because like Mike McMahon... The thing that he proved in the first two seasons of the series was that he understands what franchise he's playing in. He understands the sandbox. He's not going to break any rules. He's not going to bend anything, but he's going to have fun in the sandbox. Without peeing in it. Like Shaban like yeah. peed in the sandbox. Shaban 
peed and pooped in the sandbox and then decided not to cover the sandbox. Okay. <laughs> That's what he was doing. You know, Mike McMahon basically says, I'm going to pee in this corner, but I'm going to dig the hole. I'm going to, I'm going to put my poop in my oh. urine in that hole and I'm going to cover it up. I'm a very clean type of I'm animal. I'm a clean animal. <laughs> oh man. That's a great. So yes, today we're going to be talking about lower decks season three, episode one, the premiere titled grounded. The episode was directed by Jason Zurek and written by Chris Kula. The synopsis Mariner enlists her friends on a rogue mission to exonerate her mother as Captain Freeman faces a military tribunal for the destruction of Pac-Led Planet. So this was a fun little story that used a similar setup as Star Trek 3, which was fun. Yes. Just like when the crew had to evade, you know, Federation security <laughs> in order to board and steal the Enterprise from the dry dock, we saw a parody of that in this episode. Yeah. I mean, we should have known that's what we were going to get when they dropped the first season three poster, which is literally a remaking or a re yeah, a remake essentially of the star Trek search for Spock. Yes. Movie poster, which is awesome. It's so great. So we should have figured that's what they're going to be doing. And I didn't put two and two together, but I was pleasantly surprised to see that tribute being played. It was a fun way to continue and bring closure to the cliffhanger season finale that we went on and on about during our season two finale discussion. Well, because it, to me up to that point, we haven't had a true star Trek season finale feeling in a long time, even in the other ones. And me and you have discussed about it when it happened was star Trek. There are certain things of Star Trek that must that give you that season finale feel the when we were talking about the leaving the series off to be continued even like in the recent more recent series uh, St uh Star Trek Strange New Worlds the end of that it left it with a to be continued and that's how a Star Trek series it, and everyone said that's what makes Star Trek Star Trek and when you think about it, Lord Dex was the first one to do it when you look at the other series, they didn't do that to be continued. They didn't have that Star Trek vibe of like, hey, tune in next time. <laughs> Wait till next season. And with Lower Decks, it's like funny because like, I can't think of another series that left me with that anticipation. Oh, man, I want to see what happens in the next season. Well, because each season in this new era of Star Trek, besides, of course, Strange New Worlds, it's a serial, so they have every episode is essentially to be continued, mm -hmm. and then they don't really leave us much to hold on to or look forward to it for the next season for because the next season. they wrap up the show for the most part. I think the only time they did anything that was at the end of uh, Discovery season two or season one. With the reveal of the Enterprise, the the reveal, but if you think about it, though, that wasn't like a a narratively it was not a cliffhanger it was not a cliffhanger yeah that was just was basically just, hey the enterprise is here yay the enterprise is here stay tuned yeah but that's the closest they've gotten up until strange new worlds but like when you have it with that feeling of hey you have to tune in to actually see the continuation of the story and see what happens to the crew if you think about that i'm glad you brought up that because that season finale was more or less based on fan wow 
That's but, what it was more fan service. It than, was fan service than alluding to a potential storyline that was not concluded. Yeah, and like it was Star Trek, especially when you see it with Strange New Worlds. The the wow factor is the fact that they're continuing the story or an element of the story on. Agreed. So as a reminder, Captain Freeman is was I should say put on trial for her alleged participation in blowing up the pack led homeworld <laughs> known as Big Strong City. Big Strong City. That's amazing. <laughs> the pack leds are the stupidest, most awesomest aliens. They are, and and by the end of this, you find out they're the most devious too. Because well, they were devious at TNG too. When they play the part as dummies, which they are, but, which they are, but, but like they're not too dumb not to try to pull one over on you and steal your tech and they're they're willing to do whatever they have to too which is messed up because when you get to the when you get to the the ending and you find out the true story of like what happened you're i'm like going oh my god they just made the pack led look like the most devious evil people in the universe and yet it makes sense it's on par with everything we know the pack lights they're desperate to get their hands on anything they can in order to make themselves big and strong strong (laughs) Because as it turns out, the Packleds had been responsible for the whole thing that Freeman had been accused of doing. It was an inside job. They wanted a more resource-rich planet. And what did they do? They used everybody else. I mean, they they didn't even do it themselves. They went and found other races to do the work for them because they use the veneer that they're stupid. (laughs) Well, they are. But at the same time, they're a little smarter than they like to to put on yeah there we go yeah but before getting to that reveal the lower decks team does attempt to prove that freeman is innocent and this takes them to a bozeman montana i, I, I was so excited about that dude. i like that too where the first warp flight took place and of course first contact with the vulcans which we saw that in star trek 8 first contact yep. arguably one of the best star trek films of all time most of us are familiar with this if you're watching lower decks and listening to us you're probably very familiar with star trek first contact so we won't go into too many details about that but i loved every moment of those scenes uh using the iconic score from jerry goldsmith's theme was amazing yes using that iconic score was great and it was just another layer of that authentic touch i love that uh dr zephyrin cochran was in this and yeah. the actor that played him james cromwell actually voiced the character yes i love that they got him to do that i mean he's a pretty big name he is so for him to come in and just reprise uh it probably didn't take long he probably even recorded it from his home which a lot of actors are doing that now because <laughs> the, because the likely. pandemic has opened up new avenues to potential ways to record voiceover work and a lot of these actors now got little home studios set up because of the pandemic so i'm sure he'd even come into the studio it was probably something he recorded from home because there's only a couple lines but that's what i love about this show yeah even though it's only gonna be a couple lines mike mcmahon and his team try their damnedest for authenticity by reaching out to the actual original actors that played these roles. They did it in the first season. They did it in the second season. And of course, they're doing it again here with Zephyrin Cochran. 
I love it. I think it's great. Oh, dude. I was like, so I was giddy when they, when, when they get to Bozeman and automatically, just like you said, that score comes in and you see the Phoenix. I got giddy. I, I have to say, I ha- I got a little goosebumpy thinking about that movie because honestly, first contact is probably top five. One of the best top five Star Trek movies. Mainstream wise is probably, Mainstream? probably up there with wrath of Khan. Yeah. Because everyone thinks of first contact as like, that's the TNG film. When you get Star Trek fans together, the two films, they usually tend to go on and on about is Star Trek two, wrath yes. of Khan and Star Trek first contact. And dude, I love the fact that basically in the very beginning, when, when, uh, she, uh when they have that scene between, I forgot the character's name, the main character where she's like destroying all the plants, the potted plants in her Mariner Mariner. Yeah. When Mariner's throwing the potted plants, I'm like, like, why do I have this feeling from first contact of when, (laughs) you know, Picard's destroying his ships and he's, she's just throwing everything. And all of a sudden her dad says, I have to remember not to have like breakable objects in the office. It's, it's good stuff. I really do like the attention to detail and there really is attention to detail. Yeah. Like I, I, I wouldn't call them Easter eggs, like all the websites call them, but no. they just give you these little things that belong in Star Trek things that if you know, you know, mm-hmm. they don't spend too much time on it. There are some moments that they absolutely do draw attention to it, but for the most part, it's just things in passing. And if you know, you know, and if you don't, that's fine. It doesn't ruin the episode for you. Exactly. And that's the important thing. It doesn't ruin the the episode, but for the, for all of us that know the, you know, franchise and know the history, it helps us add stuff to it. Like the, the, the information that they added to the, at the end of this episode with the team that went and saved Friedman in actuality, that added mythos to the Star Trek universe. Now we can expanded, actually say expanded, it expanded yeah, it yeah. because, and they didn't even have to take major characters. They took like two minor characters. Up. I'm going to say Tuvok's a minor character because like, you Tuvok, know, how dare you? He is not a minor character, David. When you look at who's in Voyager. <laughs> no, it's in Come him. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Is a minor character. <laughs> Tuvok was one of the leads, Dave. You can't say. You can't say he's one of the leads, Mike. I mean, he has Janeway. David, he is on the main call sheet. He is a star of Voyager. He is not a minor character. He isn't one of the more popular characters. There you go. There you go. But no, he, that's like saying Worf was not a my, uh, was not a major character in Star Trek. No, no, no. Worf is different than Tuvok. How? <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. Worf's story is way better way in better. every way. But I'm talking sh- from the sheer business side, not stories. I'm talking about casting and who's on that call sheet. Tuvok has a chair. Tim Russ has a chair with his name on it. Yes. He's probably number five or maybe okay, number I will give four you five, on that five, call sheet. Five on but the call he sheet. is not a minor character, David. <laughs> a minor character would possibly be Barkley. And that also is debatable. Debatable. But like, that, but that's what I mean though. Taking those characters that are not, are not the main characters. I, I get what you're saying. The one that I would agree with you is a minor character is the, um, the Kelsey Grammer character. Yes. Ba- uh, ba- uh, Batson or ba- uh, Batesman, I think. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember his name. I just know that. Uh, Batson. Batson. It's Morgan Batson. 
And like taking that character and then making that character. Oh, he's the one that led the, the investigation. And he's the one who led the team to get the, get the information originally. I'm like going, Hey, that's actually pretty damn cool. And then you actually see him in the end when they walk out of the court courthouse and they have the, basically the team, the Tuvok and him behind captain Friedman with the other, with the, her crew behind them, I thought it was a really cool touch. Yeah. Now, if people are not familiar with this character, Captain Morgan Bateson. Are you sure it's not Batson? Or is it Bateson? I don't, I don't remember. B-A-T-E-S-O-N. I don't remember. I do remember, of course, Kelsey Grammer playing this character. I don't remember how they pronounce his name, but I think it is Bateson. I think you might be right. But his first appearance, and I guess only appearance up until <laughs> Lower Decks, he was in the TNG episode titled Cause and Effect. Yes. Which basically dealt with the destruction of the Enterprise near a distortion in the space-time continuum. Yeah, because which he Which causes a temporal causality loop to yeah. form, of course, always with these causality loops, uh, trapping the ship and crew in time and forcing them to relive the events that led to their deaths. It's actually a really good episode. Oh, yeah. And the fact that basically that character, the, the, the background of that character is essentially he is... he. He's a character that is a man out of time now because he was like, I think 75 or a hundred years in the past. Yeah. And then he, he's brought into the TNG universe and he doesn't realize what, what era it is. I always had thought that they would use him, especially since it was Kelsey Grammer at the that, time. That's why I was always surprised because Kelsey Grammer became, what year was this? Was this before he became big? Oh, this was this was during Cheers. Yeah, so he was already a well-known actor. But I almost feel like they missed the boat because Kelsey Grammer is very good. He's not he's underrated. People don't realize how fucking good he is. And I honestly never knew how good he was as an actor until he starred in this show called The Boss, and I believe it was on yeah. Stars, and he played I want to say a politician. Mhm. Mm Amazing, amazing performance. And I never realized that he could play such a, a very serious and scary role. And then when I saw the reruns of TNG, I'm like, oh yeah, Kelsey Grammer played the uh, Captain Batson. I was like, dude, they missed the boat. Imagine if they put him in a film, not, not to say he's the lead of the film, but to use him in some capacity because he's such a big name. Yeah. I mean, they could have easily used him as some type of guest star later in some film or just even bring him back in a later iteration of star, uh, of a Star Trek series. Oh, yeah. But they never, they, they never went back to it. And that's the amazing thing. But leave it to Lower Decks. Mm -hmm. They'll take care of business. <laughs> they don't. They'll, they'll, they'll make sure that, hey, they haven't used this character. Okay, we'll use him. Yeah. And, and the scary part is they made them, Bateson, uh, Bateson and Tuvok, they look like absolute elite tier Star Trek characters. Yeah. I did like the little touch of adding Tuvok at the end that he was part of them solving the real dude. He had to mind. He forced a mind meld on someone. <laughs> My only thing, and maybe I need to go back and rewatch the ending of Voyager, but if memory serves me right, Tuvok was diagnosed with a Vulcan disease. Yeah. That would leave him essentially in a state of dementia. It was almost similar to what happened to Spock's father. Yes. So this is what, 20 years post Voyager, roughly give or take a few mm -hmm. years here. 
wouldn't he already be suffering? That's what I was thinking too, but I also thought the thing is maybe they found a cure. Maybe they found a cure. You you'd figure that basically because the future they didn't find a cure was the future that never happened. Well, it did yes. happen if you go by what they did in Discovery. It's a split timeline. It's a split timeline. But like, if if we were to just look at it as Voyager fans, I would say that basically Janeway would have taken would have done everything under the sun to take care of Tuvok, especially by the yeah. end of that episode. I mean, the whole crew knew what Tuvok was going through and all of them were really concerned about him by the end of it. So you, as Voyager fans, because we want to actually hope and pray that all the characters we love take care of each other, you know, you figure (laughs) (laughs) it gives the only one that's left out. I don't hate Ensign Kim. So calm down. Star Trek fan. (laughs) I just think he's one of the most worthless characters. He's not worthless. He's useless. No, no, no. I just Jake. Oh, wait a second. Jake. No, you know why I'll disagree with that? Because his connection to Cisco. (laughs) That's the only thing. He was such a relevant part to his characterization that there would be something missing my opinion from his character if there was no Jake Cisco. So I'm willing to look past, <laughs> look past it. his, uh, the poor actors, awful acting. Sir Rock Lofton. Yeah. I wasn't going to say his name cause I feel bad, but I mean, <laughs> no, listen, it's his he, character. He, he knows it's he's his not, character. he knows he was not a good actor, but also he's the character itself. Wasn't that interesting unless it was the only episodes that were good that involved him. I take that back. The episodes were always good for the most part. The only moments that worked for me as a deep space nine fan, when Jake was involved was when they wrote the story in a way that brought him and his father together. Yeah. That's when his character always worked when they attached him to Nog. I didn't care. I I like Nog. Yeah. But it was hard to care about the character because he was just kind of not, I don't know. Is this wasn't interesting? In my not opinion. to not to not to go off on a side. Yeah, tangent, we are like, way on a side tangent already. When it so comes okay. to Nog, if the only thing I could say is the amazing thing, the reason why I say Jake is so bad is because originally Jake was supposed to be tied to Nog, and Nog was the sidekick. But by the end of everything and yep. all the writing, Nog was a more well-rounded character to the point that he ends up having one of the most. Well, not probably the most, but one of the most powerful powerful stories when he comes back from war and he's missing a leg. Well, that's the beautiful thing about Deep Space Nine and the amazing writing is that they were able to take so-called minor characters and all give them a spin that made them essentially very important characters that were vital to the overall story of Deep Space Nine. Yeah, And the amazing thing, just to tie it back to this episode, now that I think about it, the ability to actually take these characters and... You know, you have Tuvok and Batson who, you know, are side characters, Mm -hmm. but still Mike Mm -hmm. McMahon and his staff were able to make them feel elite, Mm -hmm. but to also use that for the narrative of the lower decks to show that, hey, even these guys are higher tier than, you know, Mariner and and Boimler. David, Tuvok's not a minor character. I ain't, uh, eh, eh. <laughs> You're such a troll sometimes. <laughs> just I'm just you, saying, just saying, just saying. <laughs> I, for, the, for the purpose of the argument, I'll let it stand. There you go. <laughs> but, but 
I thought that that was actually a cool a cool writing technique was to take those characters that are not seldomly talked about, yeah, and make them look even more epic than your own characters to carry on that narrative. The crew of the Cerritos is just you know for funs for funs funsies, yeah, <laughs> for giggles. I agree. There was another moment that I really liked that did make me giggle and also make me look at Star Trek differently. And I don't know if I like that, even though I do at the same time when they were, <laughs> when they made fun of the golden gate bridge. Like, <laughs> yes. I mean, when lower decks poke fun at some of the, I love when they poke fun at some of the unusually illogical aspects of Trek. Cause there aren't a lot, but there are moments just throughout the years just, we kind of look past it and we don't really think about it because we have essentially most Star Trek fans have been raised around Star Trek that we yes. don't stop and think, wait a second, <laughs> that doesn't quite compute. So when Mariner says that she feels useless not being on the ship and she says she feels just as useless as that, as that big, dumb red thing, I'm like, <laughs> I started laughing when her father said, that's the Golden Gate Bridge, Mariner. And I, I just fucking lost it. I had to pause it because it made so much sense. When she so said, sense. no one even drives anymore. Why is there a bridge? I'm like, that is 100% spot legit on. spot on. Dude, I was cracking up because like her dad's only retort was, well, I like the bridge. And it's like, it's like, well, wait a minute. Mariner's right. Why is this bridge still there? And it still is in uh, in Discovery's timeline too. What a thousand years into the future, the Golden Gate Bridge is still there. You realize that? Uh, Because after I saw that, I'm like going, "Oh my god!" Even in Discovery, in the far future, maybe they need to say something like it's an historic site and it's not even used. (laughs) It's not. No one touches. Maybe at this point, it just needs to be like those boats that show. You know those boats on in bays like in San Diego. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they, they're not used, but eh, you know, out of respect for history, we're gonna put it here on display. We're gonna put it here on display. No one's allowed to touch it because as soon as you touch it or even blow on it, it's gonna disintegrate because of like what's uh, what it's made out. Of. <laughs> All right. So the next fun thing was uh, the fact that Rutherford and Tendi were eating at Cisco's Creole Kitchen. Are they getting us ready for some heavy D Space Nine? Aspects, oh, especially with this episode, dude. There was so many, so many moments that called back to Deep Space Nine. I'm hoping that they do. I know in the trailer, spoiler alert, in the trailer for season three, they show Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. and they even played the Deep Space Nine song, which brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> it was so fucking glorious. So I am looking forward to that. But I'm wondering, you know, hey, they use Cisco's Creole Kitchen, and then they we know that Deep Space Nine will play a part in season three. So. Are we going to get a season where they actually delve deeper into jokes pertaining to Deep Space Nine? Because for the most part, and Mike McMahon said this in an interview, that for the most part, he has been playing within the TNG sandbox for the most part. There has been allusions to other things. He's not neglecting Voyager, Deep Space Nine, Enterprise, Discovery, or he is neglecting bits of Picard, I believe, just because probably it's, it's still relatively new. But... It does seem like he's he is um, not going to hold back, and this year we might be playing within the D Space Nine sandbox a lot more. Oh yeah, especially when they get to Cisco's and they just start dropping D Space Nine elements. Like when he when Rutherford brings up the London Kings, mm-hmm. that's Cisco's team. 
Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows Cisco was a big baseball all, fan. And all I ask, David, all I ask. Cisco has if to come back. Mike McMahon. No, <laughs> I want you to die. No, I don't want. Don't I don't want to say that, David. Don't die. But um, uh, punch yourself, please. All I ask, Mike McMahon, if you're listening, I know it's too late now, but you can still delete the episode before it airs. Do not include Cisco, <laughs> please. Please. But Mike, we have to know. No, we don't. Where the hell no, is he? <laughs> I want that reveal to be included into something that actually continues the Deep Space Nine storyline in I a legit too. way. We cannot have what happened to Cisco be revealed in Lower Decks. <laughs> Lower Decks. Oh, man, that'd be so sad. <laughs> I don't want it. I, I feel like it's one of the things that we're all going to wait for. And at some point, we will be ready. The right TV show whether it be, you know, showrunner and discovery or some other new Star Trek series that hasn't been announced yet. We will eventually get it. I know we will eventually they'll delve into what happened to Cisco and his, maybe he hasn't returned. Who knows? But I do not want to get that. I don't want them saying that Cisco's around, meaning that he has returned. Yes. I don't want it. And I don't think I can't imagine any other D space nine fan wanting that. I think I'm with you there. It's kind of like that that was one of the characters where they left his ending very ambiguous that I'm like going, leaving it ambiguous wasn't a bad thing. Now, if they have fun with the profit angle. Yeah. If they have fun with the profit angle, that's fine. They could do that and maybe even allude to Cisco being the wormhole. That might be fun. That would be fun. And that would be understandable because... You know, one of the elements of that whole angle with the prophets is the religion continued on after Cisco left and entered the wormhole. Well, that's the thing about D Space Nine. The D Space Nine had probably the only depressing ending in all the Star Trek shows. It just was like it was literally fade out. All everyone was leaving the station. It had a very conclusive ending with the immediate story, but there were also allusions to a lot of people still continuing Continuing on with their lives. We don't know where they were going, but we knew that certain angles were going to be continued. The Cardassian angle, we were left with the the restructuring of Cardassia, if you remember. We were left with the question mark, what about Cisco? There were a lot of question marks as well. And um I, I just feel like that should be saved for something special other than just lower down. Well, Deep Space Nine, that ending always reminded me of like a series like MASH. Oh, the yeah. war ended. So everyone had to move on at that point because that's the, a good the, example, a the, good comparison. The crux of Deep Space Nine was the fact that it was a story centered around a war, which was the Dominion War. Mm-hmm. Once the Dominion War ended, Bajor joined the Federation. Bajor joined the The Federation. The point of the show, the original concept of the show came to an end. Yeah, because that that wormhole wasn't as vital anymore for for tactical reasons. Yeah, we are getting way off topic this discussion, so we should bring it back. But we've covered just about everything, so let's just get into final thoughts, and I'm going to keep mine brief. Overall, it's a good story that continues from a logical and emotional point. It was light on substance, but it was a good start. And I do like the fact that they are continuing that family element, the connection between Mariner and her 
her mother as the captain. Yeah. And as long as they stick to that, which is, in my opinion, the emotional foundation of the show, don't remove that because that is at this point, wouldn't you agree, Dave? That's that's the emotional foundation of this series is that relationship. Yeah. Mar- Mariner is. and Captain Freeman's relationship. So as long as they continue that, which obviously it does seem like they're doing that, then I'm on board. I felt like episode one of season three was a great way to start things off. I will give it an 89%. Also, you can't complain about them using, you know, magic carpet ride from Steppenwolf. <laughs> Dude, that was awesome. During the exact same moment they played it in first contact. Yes. I mean, to this day, I remember being a kid in the theater watching that scene. I fucking loved it. When Cochran's all, let's rock and roll and play <laughs> Steppenwolf. I'm like, oh, this is fucking dope. And then the people from the future were scared because they had no idea what they were listening well, It to. reminds me of the scene, which I don't care what anyone says. It is, it is classic movie writing 101 for the mainstream. And very... It's very few times in Star Trek history where they've managed to capture that feeling. They, they did it with first contact and they did it um, in um, Star Trek beyond with the beastie boys. Yes. I loved that moment in Star Trek beyond. There was a few people complaining about the use of beastie boys, but the way they included it made perfect sense. Yes. And I loved it. It added the, the, the level that you needed to have in a tentpole blockbuster summer film. Well, also on top of that, it, it adds to the element and feel that you're trying to tell a story that's in the far future. You know, all that stuff, all of the stuff that we consider present day to Star Trek, that is the far distant past. That's yeah. like a hundred years in the past. So just don't use Wheezy. We don't, don't want, we, don't, we don't need Kanye, Kanye, Kanye in this at all, please. Oh, please, no, no. Please don't tell me that that lasts 100 years. No, it's not. <laughs> all right, David, 89% for me. Give me your final thoughts briefly and your score. My score right off the bat, actually, it's kind of funny. I'm in the same boat as you. I'm 80, uh, if I could talk, at 89 okay. for, for the season uh, premiere. I was really happy with it, and I was really happy with the fact that, just like you said, they continued on that narrative of basically Mariner's growth of a relationship between her, her parents. Right. Because now you just, in this episode, you introduced Mariner's father and well, we've seen him before. We've seen him before, but this is the most we've ever seen him. I think this is the first time we've actually seen him. I guess you could say in person because yeah. he's always been on the screen oh, talking yeah. to Captain Freeman. And, and the thing I really do like is the fact that, Throughout the entire episode, I kept thinking, oh, my God, is, is Mariner going to try to do what she did in season one where she tries to save, save the world? And, you know, Mariner is the deus ex machina, right? Right. But instead, they, they, Mike McMahon basically focused on the ending where it's like. They didn't really do anything. <laughs> they didn't really do anything. <laughs> Mariner is just a, basically a child who's scared that basically her mom is going to go away. Right. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, they they actually continued on the narrative of that. And then on top of that, they they doubled down to show that there was no way the Lower Decks crew was going to do anything for Captain Freeman because it it would take Starfleet All-Stars to do it. Yeah, they were too busy getting splooged on by aliens, which I thought was fucking funny. Oh, dude, it it was so gross, but it was so funny. Because like they were like 
trying to make it look like, oh, we're just, we're enjoying ourselves as they're getting zapped. Yeah, by, uh, listen, tentacles. They, were they tentacles or were they penises? It got, they were probably both. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. All right, let's bring this show to an end. I want to thank everyone for listening. Be sure to find us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're on YouTube, please subscribe, give us a thumbs up, and head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Digital. And when you subscribe, 3 to $5 or more a month, you'll gain access to all of our pre-shows where we talk about pretty much anything that we don't have time to get into in our regular show we talk about. And we also have a wide variety of other podcast full episode discussions uh, that we release exclusively to our Patreon subscribers. Patreon.com slash Rayman Digital. Thank you, David. Thank you. Live long and prosper. I couldn't help but notice your pain. My pain? It runs deep. Share it with me. End simulation.